You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Buck Martinez, Blue Jays color analyst for Sportsnet. And uh, at the top of the next hour, we will talk to Flames general manager Craig Conroy on the passing of Chris Snow over the weekend. Uh, but right now, NFL analyst uh, for the NFL on CBS, Charles Davis, brought to you by Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Charles, good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys today? Uh, we're good. A uh, lot to digest, of course, uh, from week four of the National Football League. Uh, Want to get your uh, thoughts right away. Holding or not holding on Sauce Gardner in the Sunday Nighter? Holding. No okay. question. Yeah, no question. It's holding. I mean, here's the thing. We all get into this, you know, tough play, tough situation, um, key moment of the game. We We always fall back on. We don't want the officials to decide the game until it goes against your team. You know, it's just, it's it's really one of those hot moments. Robert Sala frustrated because he knows this season had so much promise. It's slipping away. He wants his guys to be able to get, you know, you get the whole idea. I mean, I don't have to be in Robert Sala's head to know exactly where the frustration was. That screaming at the officials on sportsmanlike conduct, didn't like the foul. That's rooted in Aaron Rodgers played four plays this year. It's, it's, it's that simple. I mean, even even I know that. Right. And I'm not I'm not a psychologist. I don't have to play one on TV. That's simple. That's what that is. They're going to be close. The defense is going to play well. Zach Wilson gave him a glimmer yesterday, like oh, and then he can't handle a snap. You know, I mean, there's always something right there. That's what that was to me. Holding, yes. Could you not call it? Sure. But let's go back to Indianapolis, Baltimore, week three in overtime on the crossing route. How was that not called? Yeah. And it decided the game. Charles, how much champagne and caviar are the NFL offices in New York having this morning that Taylor Swift is back-to-back weeks where she's at games and just more eyes are on the league? There's not enough champagne. There's not (laughs) enough caviar. It's not even close. I mean, it's, I'll put it to you this way. I'm changing planes last night and I am a Swifty. All right. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yep. Huge fan. Went to the concert with my family. Unbelievable. One of the greatest things I've seen. Even I was like, all right, we're good. (laughs) Okay. And not because of her as much as just got the idea. All right. You know, a lot of other people's girlfriends, boyfriends are at the game. You know, I get it. I know she's a star, the whole thing, but I'd really like, you know, Kelsey and those guys just be able to play. Right. So I'm on the phone and I talk to my wife and I was like, hey, even I'm like, and she's like, wow, if you're there. And then she said, just talk with a friend. And her friend said her 10-year-old daughter is watching football for the first time. Well, because Taylor Swift said the game and she's hoping to see her on screen. This is why the league is like, yeah, look, Davis, I get it. Okay. But here's the thing. You're not going to turn the game off. 
you're going to keep watching it. You may throw things at the screen and say enough already, yeah. but you're going to keep watching. Guess who else we're getting now? And then when you see Travis Kelsey's jersey sale go up 400%, then when you see that viewership went up, what was it, 83% or something during Kansas City, Chicago, when Kansas City was putting the boots to Chicago. <laughs> okay, absolutely just kicking the heck out of them. And viewership goes up. The league's like, yeah, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to lean in as hard as we can until this ride is over. Yeah, that's such that's such a smart point, Charles. It's like, are people going to really turn off the game now because it's too much Taylor Swift? No. Like the we're, Chiefs we're, and we're Bills gonna, are going to play a fantastic game. It. It's like, oh, I, I'm not going to watch yeah. that. It's too much Taylor Swift. The worst they'll do is no. tweet about it, which in the yeah. end amounts to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know what it's like? And it's not quite the same, but pick your situation where you've had friends tell you or, or you've seen fans tweet. I will never watch this again because oh, yeah. of X. Of course. And I'm talking about a sporting event, a game. I don't like the announcer. I don't like the, the network. I don't like the weather that day. I don't like the uniforms. I don't like what that coach said. I will never watch again. Really? Yeah. <laughs> how, many, how many people have we known that have followed through on that? Yeah. Very, it's very rare. few. Uh, I want I want to play a quick guessing game with you before we move on. Um, how many cutaways to Taylor Swift do you think were on the broadcast last night? Oh, that's a great question because, as I said, I was changing planes, so I know I missed a few. <laughs> so I'm going to put the number at a. I'm going to put the number at 13, which Ooh. is her favorite number. Oh, that's pretty good. 17 cutaways last night, Charles. Wow. And I have to tell you, in the first half, when I was able to watch most of the time, I, I said to myself, I kind of admired them for their restraint. Because remember how the game opened with Kansas City? Yep. And I think he hit Travis twice in the first three or four plays, remember? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, they didn't cut to her. Oh, they didn't cut mm-hmm. to her. I was like, wow, they're going to have some <laughs> restraint in this one. And then as time went on, <laughs> I guess the restraint lessened a little bit. And I loved I loved Mike Tarico. I loved what he said right at the top because they had Jimmy Kimmel do that that open and yeah. do all the Taylor Swift you know puns analogies what have you. Appreciate Jimmy Kimmel doing all the heavy lifting for us, so we didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I can see that as an announcer for sure. Um, the other half of that game, Charles had Zach Wilson actually looking like mildly competent for portions of it. At this point, I more I, than mildly. I feel bad for the guy because, like, in the end, it ends in a very Zach Wilson fashion. He fumbles a yeah. shotgun snap, and they lose the game. But how do you look at kind of this one for him, and and what this means for really his career as a whole? I think I'm going to talk about this later on. I've got to do a show for CBS HQ later on this afternoon, early afternoon, um, and. I, I, you know, they asked me about topics and I, you know, of course, Zach Wilson was a topic. And I just said, you know, I do think that last night was that glimmer of hope that Jets fans were wanting to see out of their quarterback. It was there, but I'm going to fall back on something. I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. I hope this is correct in what I'm saying. Cause I'm, I'm ter- I hate revisionist history. I hate, Oh yeah, I said that. No, I didn't. <laughs> But I believe I, I believe strongly that I said Zach Wilson is going after a quarterback. We know that. 
but they can't play the game with him like, hey, Zach, just go out there and don't make mistakes. Hey, Zach, just make sure, you know, we keep the train run. It doesn't work. They're not going to win enough games. There's too much pressure on the defense. They got to go big and bold, meaning the Zach Wilson that got drafted number two in the plays we saw at BYU, the off-platform, off-schedule, make the big throws, all those things. Yes, you want them to take care of the ball, but you're also going to have to push it a little bit. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. So you got to go big, and if it, if it crashes, it crashes. Because guess what? You're not getting there on the conservative side. That's what I believe I was very strong about saying. What did we see last night? Yeah. We saw much more of that out of Zach Wilson. And by the way, did you not see his confidence grow as time went on, as he was making plays, the, the run for the two-point conversion? How about the throws in the end zone? Where he's, I mean, he's making those plays. And I'm telling you, you take those plays, transpose them next two plays from BYU, change the uniform, you're like, oh, that was what, that's why they drafted him. And then, as you said, it ended very Zach Wilson fashion where he couldn't handle the snap. <sighs> Tough one for him, for sure. We'll see what happens with the Jets moving forward now, too. We've got a couple of 4-0 and teams here, Charles. Uh, we have the Eagles and the 49ers, both at 4-0. and But how different has it been for both those clubs to get there? Yeah, it's been very different. Eagles, I think we would, you know, if we were to use, you know, the buzzwords, the Eagles have struggled. They have not looked like themselves. They have not been as free and as flowing as we saw when they were locked in last year. It's been a battle. Now, Washington always plays them tough or whatever. Remember last year, who, who spoiled their undefeated yep. season? It was Washington, Washington yep. In, in Philadelphia. So this is a normal thing in the NFL. Like Nick Sirianni, every coach, you know, hey, you know, it's a seven-point league, guys. I don't care what you say. I mean, may, you may think it's easy for us, but every week's a battle. But they don't look as free. They don't have their verve right now. San Francisco, on the other hand, their mojo's working. Okay? <laughs> they got their mojo working in a big way. And when CMC is doing all those CMC things and making Brock Purdy even better at his position, they look like the deal right now. And, boy, how excited are we for Sunday night with Dallas and San Francisco? Ooh. I mean, that's a Sunday, that's a Sunday night or we, we could all get excited for. And as much as I'm a Swifty, Taylor Swift's not needed for Sunday night. No. Not for this game. Uh, not, not at all. Not for this game. Uh, Charles Davis, NFL analyst on CBS, joining us here on the Tom's House of Pizza hotline. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, 960, the fan. Um, I think I think we're all guilty of this. And Charles, we even talked about this. Are we all sleeping on the Buffalo Bills? Is that the team that maybe, you know, they were last year's it team, should get to the Super Bowl, <laughs> and then they never really recover from the DeMar Hamlin situation. But, Charles, they put yeah. a beat down on the Miami Dolphins yesterday, and, man, they look good through four weeks. Do they look like the best team in the AFC to you? They look as good as any in the AFC. And yes, they look like the best team yesterday. They were better than Kansas City right now. You know, pick your team. They, because it's, it's, it's two simple things for them. You hit on what happened last year with DeMar Hamlin, and I've been very strong on it, and I hope respectful. They handled it the best way they could possibly handle it. But having to handle it the best way means it's to the detriment of your season because you have to handle it so respectfully and keep him front and center on everything you do that it is an emotional drain that almost no one can overcome. I've seen it too many times. It happens. When you have tragedy, when you have things of that, of that nature, 
and you keep that person front and center as you, as a good human being should, then they take up all the oxygen. They take up all the mental space. They take up everything. And was that not a gassed out emotionally team last year? Yes, it was. And for all the right reasons, but it hurt their season. Now they can move past that. He's back playing. And even if he wasn't back playing, they've honored him. They've done all the right things. Now it's time to go. Like my grandmother always said, life's for the living. And guess what? They're back. And when Josh Allen takes care of the football, he's as good as there is in the league. He has been a monster. You see his quarterback rating yesterday? It was what it was in a quarterback rating world. It was perfect. Yeah. 158.3. He was a beast yesterday. And he's been a beast since the Jets game in the season opener. And how excited was Buffalo to have Miami get all the love coming in. And they, the three-time defending AFC champs, the class of the AFC, no one's talking about. They couldn't have been more excited. They thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened. And then they laid it down on Miami. They'll see them again. But Buffalo reminded the rest of us, guess what? We're still here. And we're really freaking good when we're on our game. And boy, were they on their game yesterday. Give Sean McDermott credit. He handled that, but did you see him all week? God, it's Miami offense. Oh, Mike McDaniel, the job he's doing. Oh my goodness, they are so fast. I don't know how anyone keeps up with them. And in his own locker room, he's like, "Guys, we're going to go get these silos. and they did. How big is that loss going to be of Tre'Davious White? Huge, huge. Because the big issue they had last year was how you know who was going to play corner. How are they going to cover? Remember they drafted Kyrie Elam out of Florida, and he struggled in the beginning getting acclimated. He struggled so much he didn't even start the season opener. Mm. Like a sixth or seventh round pick out of Villanova, Christian Benford started ahead of him. Okay, but he seems to be coming along. But Tre'Davious White is one of the better corners in the league. And Josh Allen said it's so great at the podium last night. The job he did coming back from the ACL to get himself back to being one of the better corners in the league and have this happen again, it's heartbreaking. Whether you're a Bills fan or just a, a fan of people, heartbreaking. And Tredavious White, one of the better young people I've met in this league. I really like that young man. He is just so much fun, and I send my best to him. Charles, I'm really worried about my uh, Bengals here. Got rolled up by the Titans out in Nashville there yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow's yeah, calf does not good. look good, and the offensive line is worse. Do I have any reasons for optimism yeah. here? Yeah, I have reasons for optimism because we've seen them climb out of holes before. Last year, remember, 0-2 climbed their way back. We do know they're going to be battling major NFL history now. No team has ever started 0-2 two years in a row and made the playoffs both years. So that's major NFL history that you're dealing with. But even more to the present, Baltimore has handled their injury situation better than anyone in the league, and they typically do that year in and year out. And they've gotten off to a three-and-one start, and we all know it should be 4 now. We know that. Like, like how they let Indy get away is beyond everyone. It wasn't just the bad call or the lack of a call. They should have had that door closed, and they know it. But that's where they are. Pittsburgh is struggling. We saw what happened there. Guess who we have this week? Baltimore-Pittsburgh. That's going to be like a, a loser-leave-town grudge wrestling match. I mean, that's what this is going to be because Pittsburgh is going to be desperate to play well in that one. And then, of course, Cleveland, they thought they were in a position to be the class of the whole thing. The air went out of their balloon as soon as Deshaun Watson couldn't play yesterday. You know, because everyone's going to look at the defense and go, oh, you guys aren't as great as you said you were. That defense is still really good, but that defense got put in a position yesterday that it hadn't been in all year long. I think they played as many plays yesterday 
almost in the first half, really close. Then they play for a full game throughout the season. And things changed for them yesterday because the offense just couldn't help them out. Yeah, what happened there in Cleveland? If I'm not mistaken, you were calling that game and Deshaun Watson, the late scratch, and that completely flipped the line on the game and obviously the game story. (laughs) Yeah, it changed everything because Deshaun, we we actually met with him as as a crew. And the injury, you know, hey, I've had a shoulder thing, what have you, but I'm going to play on Sunday. It's just a bruise. I'm going to be fine. He was very confident. Never got anything from their organization that they felt like, yeah, it won't happen. And this season, the week went on, and he didn't practice much Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I was actually at the Friday practice, and I noticed he wasn't taking reps. And so, of course, I inquired. and like, oh, yeah, we're just resting it and, you know, going to be ready to go on Sunday. And he took a few, but Robinson took all the reps in the, with the first team. So they knew it was a possibility, but they exuded so much confidence. And I was asked multiple times, do you think he's going to play? I was like, I think he's going to play. These guys all try and give it a go. But it turns out it's not a bruise. He's got he's got fluid in the rotator cuff area, so that became a real issue. And when he tried to warm up and throw, he couldn't. Okay, he couldn't throw it with the velocity that was needed. So the Browns rightly shut him down. Like they're looking out for the player, looking out for for his future. And then Dorian Thompson Robinson came in, and you remember he was the darling of preseason. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Reminder, reminder, reminder. Preseason, <laughs> preseason. Yeah. Most of the people these guys are putting up big numbers in preseason against, as a general rule, are guys like me. We don't make it in the NFL. Okay. Not the guys who are going to be playing on Sundays come season time. And boy, Chris Sims said it so great last night on NBC. He said it so perfectly. They asked about Dorian Thompson Robinson's first start in the NFL. He said, I can just tell you, and I think he was paraphrased as a former quarterback, no quarterback should ever make their first start against a Baltimore team, ever. (laughs) (laughs) Charles, worst loss, uh, Steelers in Houston or Patriots in Dallas? Steelers in Houston. Patriots in Dallas was expected, not the way it went down. Right. But how many people did you know expected the Patriots going there and beat Dallas? Well, at least keep it close. You didn't. Yeah, that's that. That's my point. Yeah. We expected it to look different, but we didn't expect them to beat Dallas. We expected Pittsburgh to go in and beat Houston. I realize Houston's improved. D'Amico Ryan's doing a great job. His message is through there. They're playing hard for him. They're playing well for him. C.J. Stroud, yep. he's not just playing well as a rookie quarterback. He's playing well as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we got to keep an eye on that one. And this is where we already start. Like, if you're the people in Carolina, they're freaking out. Oh my God, we had a chance to take CJ Stroud number one. We should take him. We should have taken him, not Bryce Young. I laughed because one of my best friends is a big Carolina fan. He was talking about how people are just flipping out. And I said, wouldn't you love to go back in the draft process and pull up everyone who's on air now and say, okay, let's remember who you said you wanted here. Ninety-five percent of them wanted Bryce Young. <laughs> so it is. It's how it works, and it's four games in. And it's instant analysis. And Bryce didn't play poorly yesterday. He needs some more people around him to play. He needs to make a few plays on his own. He needs to take care of the ball in the pocket. But he's not abysmal. It's just that C.J. Stroud's playing so well. Yeah. And then Anthony Richards is making splash plays, you know, that, so people are losing their mind on that one. But, yeah, by, by far, the Pittsburgh loss. And how great was Mike put Mike Tomlin at the podium? Micah, do you think you might need to make some changes? Hell yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. 
That was my favorite. He just, I mean, Mike, did, he didn't even shy away. He didn't pull the old, well, you know, we're going to watch the tape and we're going to evaluate. And we're, he's like, hell yeah, we're going to need to make some changes. Now we got to get together form a plan on what they are. But yeah. He said, did you see what we did today? Yeah. And how did he say it? He said, the product we put out there today. <laughs> and I said, yeah, this is going to be a bad week. And guess what? I get to meet him this week. So I hope he's in a good mood by uh, then. Yeah, hopefully. Um, Charles, is this potentially the last season for Bill Belichick in New England? Yes, it is potentially. I mean, should it be? We all believe he gets to make the call. Yeah. Like, if he wants to keep coaching. But since that time frame, when Tom Brady decided to take his talents to Tampa, as much as you know, you you whisper it and you don't really go into it a whole lot. This is going to be what the third season, fourth season. What season is it without Tom Brady? I think fourth season. Yeah. They didn't make the playoffs the first season. They made them Mac Jones rookie year. They didn't make it last year. See where I'm going? Uh-huh. In any normal coaching situation, the scrutiny really increases when you don't make the playoffs three out of four years in the NFL. Now, Bill Belichick's a different case. We know that. But is it potentially? Yeah. You'd have to say yes. And again, I don't know what's in his head. I don't know if he wakes up one day and goes, I'm done with this. I don't mm. know, you know, where the Kraft family is on all of this. You like to believe he gets to make his own call and the Kraft family supports it. But at the end of the day, people like winning. <laughs> they just like winning and you get used to it. And they are very used to it in New England. So all those times we say, oh, that coach gets to make their own determination. That's really not true. Okay, at the end of the day, the determination yeah. comes from the people who signed the checks. So we'll say potentially, but not likely. How's that? Um, is I've always I always thought I was a Belichick over Brady guy, and now I think what yeah. we've seen, I'm a Brady over Belichick guy a hundred times <laughs> out of a hundred now, and in that dynasty, I kind of get those feels around Sean Payton too. I know the guy's a great coach and Super Bowl champion, yeah. but he's not the same coach without Drew Brees throwing the football for him as well because what's going on in Denver like they had no business winning that game yesterday the Bears are just an absolute no. tire fire the Broncos stink yeah. the Patriots are mediocre and you know who I think of who kind of overcame you know losing a guy who's a borderline Hall of Famer Pete Carroll in Seattle Charles yeah yeah absolutely and it's interesting how it goes and some of its style of play some of this what's around you Seattle the team that made the playoffs last year wasn't a great team no. Because defensively, they still struggle. They they are not they they were not in the tenets of what Pete Carroll liked to do to win Super Bowls, win a Super Bowl, and play for another one. But they battled, they hung in there, they fought. Geno Smith resurrected, and off they go. And by the way, Geno Smith's playing well again this year. Yeah. So so let's not you know let's not miss that part. It wasn't just a one year fluke. He's doing it again. The coach, the 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 player, that dynamic. However, we come down on it. That coach, who's a great coach, name one of them that we hold up there on a Mount Rushmore somewhere that did not have a great quarterback yeah. in the NFL. Even back to Papa Bear George Hallis had Sid Luckman, okay? <laughs> Paul Brown had Otto Graham. Vince Lombardi had Bart Starr. Yep. Chuck Noll had Terry Bradshaw. And we can go on and on. Stallback yep. and, and, and Landry. It's the sheer genius of the whole thing. At the end of the day, players play. 
and what's around them. And sometimes that, that, that tilts the balance, especially now, because in the old days you could work around your quarterback a little. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this a million times. Nowadays you have to play through your quarterback. So he better be good. Charles Davis, NFL analyst on CBS. Charles, always a pleasure. Let's do it again next week. Thanks for this. Hey, I look forward to it. And, and real quick, my deepest condolences to everyone with the Flames, the Snow family. Awful. Just awful. I can't, you know, there's so many horrible ways that we're going to leave this earth. I just don't think Alzheimer's, Lou Gehrig, those are some of the cruelest yeah. because of how we go out. My, my sympathies to everyone. Unbelievable. Uh, well said, Charles. Thanks for this. Let's do it again next week. Look forward to it. Take care, guys. Have a great week. There's Charles Davis brought to you by Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Buck Martinez, Blue Jays color analyst next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. At the top of the hour, Flames general manager Craig Conroy will join us. He'll discuss uh, the uh, the life of uh, Chris Snow, who uh, unfortunately passed away over the weekend. And we'll talk to Adam Stanley at 8.30 on the uh, Ryder Cup. But right now, um, on his way to Minnesota shortly, I would assume, if not already there, Blue Jays analyst for Sportsnet with some terrific news as well that Sportsnet will be doing the broadcast for the Blue Jays in the playoffs. We say good morning on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to Buck Martinez. Buck, how are you? I'm doing well, and yes, indeed, I am in Minneapolis, and uh, we got in last night, and we're looking forward to a big series here. Yeah, again, uh, we see it on social media all the time. How come, you know, Buck and Dan aren't calling the games, but you guys finally doing a game? And just, you know, from a professional level, how exciting is that? Uh, It's great. You know, you cover a team all year long, and uh, you get a chance to do it. We've actually done it the last couple of years. And unfortunately, Blue Jays haven't won a game in either uh, wild card series. So it's a a special time for us. We uh, really enjoy it. you know, like I say, you develop a relationship with the team all season long, and yeah. then the most important games you don't get to play. So we're happy to be here and looking forward to a great series. Okay, so Buck, I have to get your opinion on this because I see a lot of this on social media, and I understand why players celebrate when they when they clinch a playoff spot because it is such an incredible grind. It starts in you know February, goes all the way to the regular season. It's October. These guys put so much time and effort, so much time away from their families, and it, and, it, and there's a reason to celebrate when they make it to the postseason. You're a guy you played when you know only four teams made it to the playoffs. Where are you at with these celebrations? Because I'm totally okay with it. Where are you at with these celebrations? Yeah, you know, I'm probably okay with it, too. Uh, you know, everybody has a, a different thought about it. And John Snyder, the Blue Jays manager, says he will have a celebration after every series if they win. And, you know, he makes a good point. He said some of these guys have never experienced it, and you want to have that feeling of celebrating something with your teammates. And you made a great point. It's a long season. It goes back to uh, middle of February for many of these guys. And, uh you know, it's a year-round job, and when you have a, a situation, the only thing that was a little unusual about the Blue Jays celebration is they lost the last two games, and then they have the celebration yeah. after that. Uh, Dusty Baker, uh, Dusty and I are uh, old teammates, and uh, we grew up in the same town, and when he celebrated uh, their postseason arrival, they toasted each other. 
But then again, they won the World Series last year. So, you know, they've been through it before. But everybody has a different approach. And uh, I talked to some players. I talked to some recently retired Blue Jay players, and uh, they didn't have a problem with it. They thought uh, everybody should have that opportunity to celebrate. So I'm cool with it, too. Um, Buck, I've been talking about this on this show, and it's the old be careful what you wish for. But I was hoping the Blue Jays would end up with the Twins in round one and just avoid the Rays and the Trop and just the way they play. Although the Blue Jays have been hitting the cover off the baseball with the Rays so far this season. Your thoughts on them getting Minnesota instead of Tampa Bay in the wild card round? Well, first of all, I was looking forward to Tampa Bay. You know, uh, the prospects of playing nine games in 14 days, I think it would have been an interesting matchup given uh, how familiar the two teams were. Uh, Secondly, I'm not sure everybody understands how good Minnesota is. And, um, you know, they, they hit 233 home runs. They're a powerful team. They have good pitching. And, yeah, they've got some players that are banged up and everything else, but, but so does Tampa Bay. You know, Tampa Bay's got some of their key players out, and they're going to see if uh, Jose Siri and Luke Rayleigh can play with a, a workout session today down in St. Pete. But, uh, you know, this is not going to be an easy series for the Blue Jays, and I think both teams, the Twins and the Jays, understand how good the other team is. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting, and and you know, looking at the pitching matchup, at least for the first two games, we have assumed that Kevin Gosman is going to start Game One, and I think that's a, a, a great assumption. Pablo Lopez will probably start Game One against uh, Gosman, and then you, then you got Sonny Gray and Chris Bassett probably matching up in Game Two. So uh, there are no easy uh, pitchers in the postseason. I don't care who you're playing. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting series. The one thing I think that's kind of cool is. It's going to be an outdoor atmosphere. You know, the Trump is not the greatest place to play. They don't get great crowds, but I think here in Minneapolis, it's going to be an electrifying atmosphere, and I think it'll be good for the Blue Jays. When you watch this Blue Jays team, this feels like a group that gets a lot of energy from the crowd around them. Would you agree, and would you compare that to past teams? Oh, no question about it. And, uh, you know, for a lot of the guys that are first-timers, uh, it was a different year, and you know, guys coming from other teams haven't seen what the great Blue Jays fan base was all about. And uh, you know, over the weekend, I mean, the great example is Cam Eden got three standing ovations during his major league debut. Even when he struck out, he got a standing ovation, and he's a rookie. But the fans know their game; they know baseball, and they really love their Blue Jays. So you know, and oftentimes during the regular season, we have a great turnout of fans here in Minneapolis. A lot of folks from. Uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, they come here. So we're hopeful that that will be the case again in this weekend, in this three-game series. Where are some of the uh, – you, you kind of laid out this matchup a little bit, but where are some of the places that maybe the Jays have an edge over the Twins? And conversely, is there somewhere that you look at and say, hey, this is somewhere the Minnesota has an edge and Jays got to be careful? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the Twins, uh, they've got three of their players uh, hurt. Royce Lewis, Carlos Correa, Byron Buxton, big big time players, and I guess you could throw in Joey Gallo in that too. But um, that's tough. Uh, Royce Lewis is one of the most dynamic players when he's healthy, but he's had such a bad luck, a uh, bad string of luck with the injuries. And Carlos Correa has been dealing with plantar fasciitis all year long, and he's an impactful hitter. He had a grand slam. Uh, in Rogers Center earlier this season against the Blue Jays, and he can do a lot of damage, and he's one of the best fielding shortstops in baseball. So we're not really sure of their status. And, uh, 
you know, I would assume they're going to be active. Uh, Correa will probably try to play through that injury. Uh, not so sure about Royce Lewis. He strained a hamstring batting earlier, uh, about a month ago, I guess. And, uh, well, actually it wasn't that long, about two weeks ago on the 19th of September. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they're active. Uh, I'm guessing they're both going to be active. I'm not so sure about uh, Byron Buxton, but I would think Lewis and Correa will probably be active. And we'll see today when we go out to the workout. Buck Martinez, Blue Jays analyst for Sportsnet, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, 960, the fan. Um, should fans be nervous about Jordan Romano in the postseason here, Buck? Um, yeah, he's had some ups and downs. And obviously you saw how John Schneider handled it the last time they used Romano on Saturday. He pitched the eighth and Hicks pitched the ninth and tenth. And, you know, they weren't... Uh, they were hopeful that Hicks would only have to pitch one inning, and that went well. The second inning didn't go so well. But um, I I doubt if Snyder will switch in the wild card. Uh, he has made some bold moves. Uh, you know, you go back to last year, he dropped Bo Bichette into the seventh spot. This year he took George Springer out of the leadoff spot and dropped him to fifth, and, and both of those moves worked. And, um, you know, both Hicks and Romano – the difference between the two, Romano has a lot of swing and miss. Hicks has that powerful two-seamer, but he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. So that's kind of interesting how you're going to match up there. But, uh, you know, I think the Blue Jays have the best bullpen in the postseason with all of the great arms and the, the diversity. And you might even see Kikuchi down there in a relief role in a three-game series. But uh, with Meza and Cabrera, in the bullpen, left-handed. I mean, that's going to be important for Max Kepler, who's had a good year. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, positives for the Blue Jays in the pitching matchup, for sure. Um, it's How much do you think John Schneider is looking forward to this run based on how things went in that game against Seattle last year, how some of his decisions were under a microscope and how they blew that game in game two, how eager do you think he is to kind of, I don't know, maybe atone for what happened, but maybe approach things differently this time around, Buck? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think he's always anxious to get into the postseason and matchup. I don't think he's uh, set all winter long thinking about the moves he made. Uh, yeah, he took Bosman out early, and then the bullpen couldn't hold it. They had an ain't nothing lead against the Mariners, and they lost that. So, yeah, I mean, everybody thinks about those games when one gets away from you, but at the same time, I don't think he's been pining over it and thinking about, i got to get back there and prove that I'm worthy. I think he's a very good manager. I think he's only going to get better and better. Uh, very young, very enthusiastic, communicates well with his players, and he's decisive in his moves. And um, he's going to get better and better. He's got uh, a couple of great lieutenants by his side and Pete Walker and uh, Don Mattingly. So, you know, I'm not concerned about John uh, wanting to uh, show people that he's worthy. I think he's very worthy, and he understands that. From a player perspective, is there someone you're watching that maybe has a lot of pressure on them to perform here, someone that could really be a linchpin for this team if success is going to come to them? No doubt about it. It's Vladdy Guerrero Jr. You know, he hasn't had the kind of season that uh, we had expected, nor did he expect, but at the same time, he's the guy – Everybody looks to to get big hits. You know, Springer's had a good run against Minnesota this year. He's hit over 450 against the Twins, and Bo's hit a couple of home runs against Minnesota. And you know, Kiermaier had a home run earlier in the season against him. But I think Vladdy's the guy that uh, you know he always feels pressure, and you can see it when he's chasing pitches. And there for a while, about uh, 10 days ago, he got into a pretty good rut 
where he was not swinging the bad pitches. He was taking his walks and down in St. Pete, he had a couple of home runs in the final game of that series. So I think he's the guy and you look at him and uh, he's always been the guy since he's come up and uh, he's the guy you look to, to get some big hits in a timely uh, situation in the series. And hopefully he'll have a good series against Minnesota. Is there, I, the American league feels more wide open than it typically is. Do you feel the same way? Oh, absolutely. When you don't have the Red Sox or the Yankees in the playoffs, I think everybody feels that way. And, uh, you know, baseball has become very, very, uh, very much parody in baseball. You know, Orioles won 101 games, the Braves won 104 games, and the Dodgers won 100 games. Well, Baltimore, of course, is a new team, but they have been a class organization for a long time, and they made a dramatic turnaround from last year to this year. Uh, we all know about the Braves. They're the best team in baseball without question. They won 104 games, and they have a 231-run differential. They've outscored their run teams by 231 runs. They, you know, they almost scored 1,000 runs. Uh, great offensive team, good defensive team, good pitching. But uh, I just think there's a lot of mediocre, mediocrity in the game today, and I think analytics has a lot to do with it. Everybody is average, and they just average things out. Everybody does the same. Everybody has the same information. I think the Orioles, the Braves, and the Dodgers step outside the box. And, you know, the Dodgers are very analytical. The Braves aren't as analytical. But if you look at the Braves coaching staff, they have major league players as coaches and good players and Ron Washington and Eric Young and Rick Kranitz is their pitching coach. Walt Weiss is the bench coach. You know, Kevin Seitzer is their hitting coach. They've got Eddie Perez and Sal Fasano as their catching coach. There's baseball people up and down that coaching staff. And I think that's had a lot to do with their success. But uh, yeah, I, I just think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams you expect to be in the playoffs that aren't here. The Yankees, the Red Sox, uh, Maybe the Angels, uh, no Cardinals uh, for sure. And everybody thought the Padres and the Giants were going to be there too, but they didn't produce. So I, I think this is kind of a wide-open postseason. Uh, you know, the Dodgers and the uh, Braves are going to knock each other off, and that uh, leaves the Orioles. And, uh, you know, the Blue Jays have, now have switched to the other bracket. So if they advance, they'll take on the Houston Astros and not the Baltimore Orioles, which was the case had they gone to Tampa Bay. So there's a lot up in the air. I think anybody could win this thing, and uh, we might see an unusual matchup in the postseason. Oh, that would be great. Buck, outside, of course, the Blue Jays and Twins, what's the wild card first-round series that intrigues you the most? Uh, well, you know, you look at it, and uh, Miami's got in there. They're kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, the Phillies are really fascinating to watch in the postseason, though, right, Buck? Like, the Phillies are just a fun team to watch. The Phillies, to me, are just a fun team to watch. Uh, yeah, they're, 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 they've got a lot of old-school players there with Schwarber and Harper and uh, Riamuto, and uh, yeah. it's just an interesting team to watch. Houston's going to be tough. They're always good, and, you know, Altuve and, and Kyle Zucker's had a hell of a year. He's almost a 30-30 guy again this year. Um, Tampa Bay, you just don't know how healthy they're going to get, but they have Eflin and Glass now, so they could sneak through the first series against Texas. I think Texas uh, was a surprise how much they cooled off. I didn't think they were going to be as much of a roller coaster as they were at the end of the season. After the Blue Jays swept the Rangers in that four-game series, they went to Cleveland and got swept themselves. So, um, I don't know. I, I think Arizona's kind of an interesting team, too. Mm -hmm. They've got a lot of speed, and they play good defense. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, their catcher, Gabe Moreno, has had a hell of a year behind the plate. And uh, I just think there's a lot of teams that could win in advance. And there might be some surprises in this wild card round. The team that I, like, I'm going to really be interested in seeing what the Tampa Bay Rays look like when they take the field, just how healthy they are and, and whether or not they can get some of their players back. Uh, Buck, Hunjin Ryu uh, maybe made his last start as a Blue Jay over the weekend. How would you uh... – how would you kind of rate his time as a Toronto Blue Jay? At the time, it was a big-time free agent signing, kind of turning the page on the organization from getting past that 15 and 16 playoff teams to finally taking a step forward to be a team that can contend for a World Series. Uh, how would you kind of grade Hunjin Ryu's time as a Blue Jay if, in fact, that was his last start over the weekend? I think it was terrific. I, I think the uh, front office, uh, namely Ross Atkins, has done a, a very good job, and that was the start of it. When he brought in Ryu, uh, it, it kind of sent the message, hey, we're, we're serious about this. We're going to bring in some big-time players, and he was the first. And then you have Gosman, and then you have Kikuchi, and then you have Bassett, and you make a trade for Barrios. I mean, they have built up the best rotation in baseball. Uh, the depth, the, the consistency, the fact that they take the ball all the time, I think it's huge, and Ryu was the first of that. I think he'll be remembered as a guy that uh, got the Blue Jays turned around in the right direction. Uh, Buck, before I let you go, and we're all excited, we'll be watching tomorrow as the Jays and Twins play game one. Uh, you're a Chiefs fan. Uh, obviously, uh, this Taylor Swift stuff has just taken the world by storm. <laughs> uh, your thoughts at watching your beloved Chiefs uh, beat the Jets last night, and yet you've seen Taylor Swift just 17 times on the broadcast, your thoughts about this whole thing right now? I think my granddaughters are thrilled. <laughs> First and foremost, they're 14 and 12, and they're big Chiefs fans. And now their favorite singer is dating one of their favorite football players. So it's perfect for my granddaughters, and I think it's kind of cool all around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Buck, thanks for this. We'll be watching tomorrow. Have fun with the series. All right. Should be great. Thanks for having me, fellas. There he is on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Perfect time, 2.30 in the afternoon tomorrow. You you want to get out of work early? Maybe go to a bar, watch the game? We'll have it for you live right here on Sportsnet 960 if you're stuck at work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Which but, uh, might be. Selfishly for you and I, it's a perfect time. Right after nap time, boom. Also, Jays and Twinkies. Sportsnet Plus. Just get it on your computer. Yeah. There you go. No problem. I want, I want the Jays to have a run. Because mm-hmm. I want to feel like what a playoff run in this city would feel like for the Toronto Blue Jays. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Even I think like, people will be jumping on the bandwagon if this team goes deep. Well, they already have. Like the thing is, like the Bautista run got a lot of people on the on the bandwagon already, and a lot of us have continued to hang out here for the last little bit. Um, but I think that even more are kind of getting back into it. Like. That was a lot of fun back when they went on the, their little run that one time back in, what, 2017, 2016? 15 was the one they should have won the World Series. And, you know, there's there was a couple good years after that, and then it tanked, and now we're back. So I would love to see a little run here. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would absolutely. I just want to see if it would have, like, a lot of... Because I've heard the stories of when the Raptors won the NBA championship. I watched in it in a bar I have never been in, and I probably will never step foot in again. And it's only because I couldn't get into anywhere else. Yeah, that's kind of what I want the feels here in this city. Or uh, I think there's some of our listeners who just want to watch Jays playoff games long enough until the flame season starts. It's another nice part of them playing this week, George. That 
I think that they there is a possibility they could be done two series before the Flames drop the puck on their season, which oh, would yeah. be just lovely. Yeah. They could be in the American League Championship Series, and then the Flames start their season. Mm-hmm. It could be over. Or it could sure be done. It starts on the weekend, does it not? It starts on Saturday? Well, it would probably start before the championship then. series, or because they go Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, this is the wrong piece of paper. Yeah, it would probably be Saturday. Would be the uh, the division series against Houston, hopefully in Houston. Yeah, divisional starts on Saturday, and then it would go all the way through to all the way. Yeah, through the week. No, it's exciting, and uh, Kevin Gosman will be on the mound. Tomorrow, and I thought it was fascinating. The Buck said, uh, "Who's the player, Vladdy?" He didn't even hesitate when you asked him that question. Who's that Not guy for, for the Jays? He's like, "It's Vladdy." And it's kind of crazy because going into the year, I don't think he would have been the guy that we would have picked if they were getting if if the Jays were going to get into the playoffs. I think a lot of people would have believed that he would have been a big part, like had a really well, strong been, season, and but, he's had a like by MLB player standards, he is having a good year. Yep, by Vladimir Guerrero Jr. standards, it's been a little bit down. And I think you would tell yourself, if this team's going to be getting into the playoffs, he's going to have to have a dynamite year. And there were a lot of guys that picked up the slack when he wasn't able to. But now, like he said, the last 10 games, there were flashes that he was getting back to the hitter. And most importantly, like the selection that we're used to. Yeah. But that's a great point you make. His, uh, His pitch selection out of the strike zone is so much better in September. It's not even close to what it was. The la- his is chase rate is it's, way down and in it's September. And it's mostly on the first pitch. Right? Yep. Like if if he's not chasing that first pitch and he's getting himself in a nice count, give himself an opportunity there. Uh Dalton Varsho also's had a uh, fantastic September. Yeah, he must have heard you. Chirping that trade the last couple of weeks, well, but look what Buck just turns said. on the Jets. Gab Moreno, uh, incredible season for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah, that's the guy they traded. Yeah, or in the Dalton Varsho trade. But the defensive run saved in the outfield, George. Yeah, with Kiermaier and Springer. Yeah, exactly. uh, tomorrow, <laughs> Jays and Twinkies. We'll have another Jays guest on tomorrow. Maybe we return to Dan, Dan Showman tomorrow. Sure, that'd be great. Tomorrow's the anniversary show, too. Uh, keep sending those texts in 960-960. We forgot to tell Charles. He was on our anniversary show. Uh, he was, wasn't he? He was. He was one of our very first guests. We forgot to mention that today. Yeah, Brad Tree Living was on that show, we'll too. We'll have to mention next week. Yep. Um, 960-960, name and location. Tomorrow's our one-year anniversary. Is there anything you've heard within the last year you'd like to hear again? 960-960, name and location. Uh, straight ahead, the general manager of the Calgary Flames, Craig Conroy, on the passing of Chris Snow. We'll do that next. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan.